So at the beginning, we should identify us as the learner as well. We say that everyone here are the facilitators. We are here to help you to create this mutual learning space, and that's why we embrace everyone's inner teacher to shine out, to wise out more. Very subjective, which means that everyone that holds something valuable inside, they can share. And then when we share and we embrace the different answer, we build on each other knowledge and understanding. Welcome to the Leaders of Learning podcast. I'm your host Ling Ling. The Leaders of Learning is a show about learning in the 21st century. Through interviews with leaders, entrepreneurs, and educators, we explore technology trends and insight of learning for professional and organizational development. Audio and visuals alone is not enough to change behavior or adopt a new skill. Researchers have found that experiences have a greater impact in skills development and behavior change. These experiences can be obtained through simulation, deep practice, on the job, and many more. Experiential learning is a process through which students develop knowledge, skills. And values from direct experiences outside a traditional academic setting. It can encompass a wide variety of experiences, such as internship, on-the-job research, and many more. If we want to ensure our students or workforce effectively adopt new skills or behavior, how can we shape the learning experience? What are the important elements of designing an effective experiential learning? Joining us is Jay Kornat Surapat, a transformative facilitator and managing director of Transform Agent Academy based in Bangkok, Thailand. Jay has been a facilitator all his life. Since 2008, he has used experiential learning in his training programs and his life. Jay, welcome to the show. Hi, Ling. สวัสดีครับสวัสดีค่ะ Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, correctly. Sometimes Thai <laughs> name it sounds like really hard to follow. <laughs> yeah, it it looks quite hard to pronounce. Uh, so, Jay, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you become a transformative facilitator? I'm a currently a transformative facilitator. That means my job is to involve, like, help people to transform the way they live their life. Actually, I've been involving in facilitation since I was a volunteer in ISEC back in university. ISEC is an international student-run organization that empowers youth potential. In those years, I had to provide a lot of trainings and numbers of workshops, so it helped me to really understand. The learners and to follow, and what is the tools that good for people to learn, right? And there was actually a time in a natural conference that I need to run for 
hundred people, and unexpectedly we could not use the LCD projector at all. So we prepare everything in PowerPoint, but the content was so intense that we we don't know how to do you know without the PowerPoint. So we need to redesign the whole thing without using it. So we came up with all practical learning ways that can engage people in either like games, simulations, group discussion, sharing, and reflection. And amazingly, it really worked. People felt in engaged, and they told us this was their best learning conference ever. So that was the first time. That I really realized the power of experiential learning, but what got me really to where I am today is actually when I received a scholarship to pursue my master degree. I study in contemplative education and transformative learning at Mahidol University in 2007. In those years, I learned how to. Observe and express my internal world in several methods. I have to do a journal, like writing, drawing, sharing lots of stories, and listening others, or even like learn how to use my body like properly through <laughs> like yoga, aikido, things like that, and lots of uh, meditation practice too. So I found that experience is like a doorway. That when we notice and open and embrace it, there are numerous unfolding knowledge and insights that kind of help me to unlock myself, even heal my inner wounds. So it made me grow as an adult. So I realized that there are much more rooms for me to shape myself to be a better person in each and every single day. So that's I feel. Inspire and want to do this kind of job, like even more. It sounds like experiential learning involves many different aspects, from reflection to writing to your relationship with other people, as well as your body. Is there a simpler way to describe what experiential learning is? Uh, yes. Before that, I would like to refer to uh, the learning pyramid. Most Learn facilitator would like to design something, and then they need to understand how learning can stay within the people. Learning pyramid it shows the study that there are many methods that and materials that we use to help people to get the information and learn something from lecturing, reading, showing something, demonstration, discussion, practice, and teach. But uh, they say the evidence show that the more active and engaged in learning process that you have, it will give you the higher rate of deeper learning and longer term retention. So that means when you use battery teaching methods like discussion group, practice by doing, collaboration, or teaching others, it will make you learn. Even deeper, and remember, and can be able to use this in daily life much longer than receive information from lecturing and reading. And that's a question: Why we learn something, and sometimes we let go something, and we forget something? I think the key thing is reflection and deep 
cognitive process. So experiential learning, it's simply to put it as the learning through reflection on doing things. Yeah, not not only like just doing, simply doing, but we give time to crystallize something, connecting yourself to that. For example, if the teacher gives you a scientific project, you test and you experiment, but then at the end, the teacher gives you the summary and models and instead of you to review it by yourself or taking you to the field trip, but not doing, giving you the time to discuss with your friends. So then it's hard to relate back to your, your life. So we tend to forget those meanings or, or experience. So bottom line is reflection and how we engage with that. I absolutely agree. There are some training programs that I've gone to. I had a fantastic time, but usually a week afterwards, I would even sometimes forget the name of the program or the instructor. And there are some programs I've been to where, you know, they engage with you. You're forced to sit down and participate, do some self-reflection within the program itself. But years afterwards, I still remember what goes on into in that training program. I remember the instructor. I remember who I was engaging with in the program itself. So I believe just like you, that experiential learning is very, very powerful. Can you share with us? How does experiential learning work? Why is it so powerful? I think all of us have this learning cycle and this makes you grow every day internally, like emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. For example, like in my case, I'm from a family that most people may call a broken family. So there were so many points in my life during my childhood that I felt like not moving forward. But every time when I was about to do something bad to myself or to others, I paused and always asked questions about what was going on with me and things around me. And then I learned something about that situation and I realized something about me as well. I tried to change the way of living my life and moving on. For example, like learning English helped me pave my way out of my misery, (laughs) things like that. So yeah, I learned English when I was 10 years old. That's the first time I learned. (laughs) And it really opened my world. So I keep continuing improving, things like that. We all have this learning cycle. So to put into the frame that maybe you can easily link, David Cope, he's the educator. He introduced this learning cycle model and show it really easily in four steps. The first one is concrete experience. That means we need to be aware of our experience and welcome it. Just like I mentioned earlier, if I don't sit and think about it, and if I let, let it go, I think I will be sad for a long time and not learning things. And second is reflective observation. I think it's a key thing too, to review and reflect your experience on that. And then it gives you the number three, abstract conceptualization, where you started to conclude and crystallize something about that experience. And then you will find a new idea or even shape the way you, you think before and your concept of 
knowing things will be better. And then the last step is really the important one: active experimentation. That means to try out what you have learned and turn into a practical use or real actions in life, and see what happens. So this thing, I think, is everyone has this. It happened in our life, but if we don't really open the door for the experience, then we probably don't learn about it. We just let it go, let it go. But if we pause, right, and think about it and reflecting, and then we have new idea, or oh, that's way, and then you started to change the way you deal with that situation. Then you change. Yeah, it keep people change and grow. I think that that's why it's so powerful. And if we can use this as a framework of our teaching method, then it will be much powerful than like traditional, conventional way of lecturing things like that. So I think the why experiential learning is so powerful. I think because I believe that it. Welcomes all possible answer to a single question or problem. It's very subjective, which means that everyone that holds something valuable inside, they can share. And then when we share and we embrace the different answer, we build on each other knowledge and understanding, and that give us more resources to deal with complexity in life. And when you earn these skills, you reflect your experience more often. You have the habit to crystallize something into deep understandings and insights, and then you turn into a practical use in your daily life. That means you keep improving the ways you you deal with complexity or problems, and gradually evolve to be a better version, like a spiral growth. You know, not like only circle, but you spiral up. Yourself, and this really transform the quality of life and the world around us, and that's why we focus on the actual doing, not rather than just thinking alone. But we lead to practical changes. That's so powerful. Yeah, that sounds very very powerful. So, if let's say I want to design an an experiential learning program, what are the things do I need to consider? For me, I will try to imagine myself as a learner first. What makes my learners learn best? And typically, I will consider like the thing that we usually know, you know, five W and one H, like who, what, why, when, where, how. Simply put, purpose, people, and place and time. Like for the purpose of the course, we need to understand the real objective, why they are here with us. The expectations, any concern they have, and the key learning content, because some, for example, some corporate, they want them to learn in this leadership or this strategies. So we need to put that learning content to design as a process, and then we need to to look at the flow of learning. So the purpose of the course is the key number one. Number two is about people. We need to understand the dynamic of the group, like the age range, the gender, the diversity of the people, like personality, ethnicity, or culture. 
the level of the fitness as well, because some people can stand or some people cannot run because of physical body, size of the group as well to, to see how, how many staff we need to support them. And number three is the place and time, uh, logistic wise. So how much time we have, uh, it can be an hour or last two to three days, two nights, uh, the venue of the space, it's more like a theatrical play, you know, you need to look at the light, the sound, the ambience, the space of the room that you can use and utilize it as your experience. Because everyone will feel, experience everything around you. And also the location of the place and its surrounding. Sometimes if my place near the garden or lake or the beach, I try to utilize the space by having the outdoor activity, use the nature to help them, connect them more, even more. And also the time period of the day. The weather is also an issue. <laughs> the weather, like, especially in Thailand, is so hot in the afternoon. We need to do something indoor. But in evening, we can do something outdoor, you know. And the last thing is we need to see how this program, this session fits the whole program. If our session is in between the whole series, so we need to connect the dot, you know, from the previous session and the following session. So they're not only going to join you and only one hour like this, but they will perceive the whole day experience. So we're trying to help them to continuously learn. So the flow of learning is also very a factor. So if, let's say, I am new to experiential learning and I've designed something for my participants, how do I know it becomes successful? What are the elements that make an experiential program successful? I believe need to link back with the purpose why they're here with you, right? And you can check that with the, at the end of the program, how they change the way they behave the expression of their face and the way they communicate with mm. each other and, and you. Typically, I will set the flow of learning, like understand the past, connecting the present, and then going towards to the future. So for me, what can measure the success is they can link their past, understand their present, and they know what to do in the next step. And they feel confident of to transform their life or change or a new way of dealing things. So we can check that at the end. <laughs> Actually throughout, throughout, but we can check that like clearly at the end too. Yeah. It also sounds like for an experiential learning program to be successful, you actually see the transformation of the participants throughout the whole program. Like you mentioned how they were in the past, yeah. how they're in the present and the future moving forward. You can actually start to see their behavior, mindset and outlook yeah. probably change as well, right? Yeah. And you can simply use some tools as well, like writing, reflection, or give them some space for them to share. I think the quality of the sharing can tell you how much they gain. And if you have enough supporter to sit with them, then that will be really helpful too. Because one facilitator cannot hear everyone talking at the same time. You probably need a, a team to 
sit with them and then get their insight. And then at the end, we'll let them to share uh, what they learn by speaking out to the circle. So they can voice out what they learn and how mm. they're going to change after this. Yeah, I definitely experienced that in my own training programs where one to many is not very good because, you know, one person can only have uh, so much of attention for everyone in, in the classroom or in the program. But if you have other supporters, like you say, then at least all the participants will get some attention from the facilitators. So they will have a chance to express, reflect share what they have learned throughout the program. And that is all part of the experiential learning, I think. Yeah. And if sometime you have yourself alone, but you don't have any supporter, I also ask them as a participant to volunteer themselves to be like a, a team leader or a little facilitator in their group. So this kind of empower them to engage their, their peers even more. Yeah. And they will feel they will feel more responsible to bring out this insight out to the, the whole group. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> a fun way to co-facilitate a session, especially if you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do that quite often too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because sometimes we can't find supporters, right? So we need to find ways yeah. to overcome these kinds of challenges. And that actually brings me really rightly to my next question, because, you know, sometimes when we design and facilitate a program, there are all these challenges that come about. So what do you believe are the common challenges and how can we anticipate for that? Well, the common thing, an expectation of number of people who join, it can be a uh, suddenly drop the number, which is really better. <laughs> I think <laughs> the smaller group will be easier to conduct. But a lot of have things happen when they increase the size of the participant. So then that makes you need to change the, the process even more, like how to engage like large group, project group, backup plan, you know, you need to have a backup plan and the venue change. And suddenly you have a small room with a dark room and then it's hard to let them like feel the energy flow. Then you need to deal with the, some materials that you need to bring to help. Or session move, like some flow that someone intervene the flow. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, I conduct like three days camp for the nurse uh, students and suddenly they need to pull out and do some activity for the school. And then they lost the interest, they lost the feeling, and then they need to reconnect them back. So need to like eyes open of, of what's happening. Uh, another factor is the engage of people. If like uh, age and experience are so different. So that means they will have totally different perspective toward each other. So we need to encourage them to deeply listen and embrace the diversity. Something unexpectedly happened, like uh, during a nursing ca a student camp, uh, we have three days with them and we build up the trust and empathy um, all along the, second, uh, uh, the first two days. And suddenly the school need their, their participation to do something for half day. So they're all gone and they came back with tiredness, with frustration. So we need to build up 
again, like reconnecting them, like the feeling of trust and connecting each other and feel the positive of the future. So this thing can happen too. If you need to talk with the organizer, <laughs> anything can happen, you know. <laughs> so always have a backup plan, yeah. anticipate anything that can go wrong. So that includes number of participants, a changing of schedule, changing of venue, and if or technical issues also, because for me, sometimes technical issues of PowerPoint, sound, yeah. all of that, that's also an issue. So yeah. just having to come up with a backup plan for all of that, right? Right. And not only external factors, it's also internal factors among our team as well. Such as there are some like uh, suddenly there are some internal conflicts between the team. They have argument in this certain thing. So as a facilitator, Yes, of course, we cannot project this out to the group. <laughs> we need to deal with the team like like quickly, like sort out like what is the problem. And we need to use our own experience to cope with that difficulty. So in our work, we also take as our lesson. Every time when I work with my team, uh, before we start a session, we will set our expectation and our intention to learn. So everyone will have something to practice. And if something happened along the way, I will try to refer, okay, this is cha your challenge. It's testing you now. It's because you intend to learn in this issue. That's why it happened. So we need to deal with this like quickly enough so then we can perform our work much smoother. So yeah, this throughout this training, actually we... we put a lot of energy not only in the process but in our team working too <laughs> yeah especially if you know if your team relationship isn't very good you cannot perform well for your clients and trust is so important so if they see your own team is not doing well then how can they believe in the program that you designed for them right right everyone can sense it because it's experiential learning everyone can feel something they can feel the vibe of the frustration of the facilitator. Then sometimes we need to be really honest and open with them too. That I even say that, okay, actually we have a problem. We have a concern. And it's the same mm -hmm. thing that you are facing now too. So that's why we want to mm -hmm. communicate with you directly. Things like that. And most of the time, you need to open to the audience be engaged with them to be a part of the decision making. For example, the time, if it's running late, so we'll tell them, okay, it's about to running late. So I need to talk with you. Are you okay to prolong the session? But that means you need to schedule your priorities in life. So when we can have time more here, or we want to end the session, but you need to quickly end your discussion. So we need to engage them in our every part of the of the flow. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I think you brought up a really important point, which is in a facilitation session, being open and transparent to the participants is actually very powerful because that means you're both co-creating the experience together. Right. And I know there are some facilitators who feel like if they share their problems, they won't look very good in front of the participants or they mm. will lose their face or they won't be seen as an expert. 
but actually sharing your issues and sharing your vulnerabilities can make you seem more powerful because you're showing other people that you are human too yes. and you're asking people for help. Right. Yeah. So at the beginning, we, we should identify us as the learner as well. We say that everyone here are the facilitators. We are here to help you to create this mutual learning space. And that's why we embrace everyone's inner teacher to shine out, to wise out more. So we will learn with you. You are the teachers, not only us. <laughs> <laughs> we are all teachers and we are all learners, always. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if like, say, a facilitator like me or any other facilitator or trainer want to incorporate experiential learning methods in their mm. programs, what advice would you give them? Where's the first place for them to start? I believe that we all have this learning cycle in us, right? So just reveal mm. your own learning experience in that topic. Why do you care so much? And how you learn this at best. Think as if you're a learner yourself, how can you learn this best? What style that you easily learn and take from? So you can look back in your school and class and course that you took and use that as a part of your technique in your own style. So the tools that you are comfortable to learn and use, it's so various. It can be games, if you like games, it can be simulation, mm -hmm. it can be uh, even a drawing, even like discussion group, if you learn best when you're talking, right? So you try to use mm -hmm. this and try out with your peers, with your friends first, maybe. Uh, let them feedback, give you feedback, and then you improve that. And in the same time, there are a lot of available online resources about this too. A lot of people share the examples online. Someone talked in the TED Talk as well. So there are plenty of resources around the world share in English and also even in your own language. I think both ways, start with your own, reflecting your own learning experience about this issue. What works, what doesn't work, and then try out with your peer, with your group, and get a feedback. And then the other thing is the get the internal resources out there. Those are really good tips, Jay. If our listeners want to learn more about experiential learning from you, how can they reach you? I have the Facebook page, Transformation Academy, that can check the, our previous work and you can message me directly. We can have an online conversation if you would like to. I'm, I'm happy to share what I know and support. Thank you so much for the wisdom that you share with us on experiential learning and for your time, Jay. Thank you for being on the show. I'm really glad to. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. <laughs> you, Lee. <laughs> Thank you. That was Jay Kornat Surabat, a transformative facilitator and managing director of Transform Agent Academy based in Bangkok, Thailand. We just spoke about the power of experiential learning. In our next episode, we will speak to Ashok Miranda, a business transformation architect and the founder of Transform and Transcend. We will talk about curing toxic cultures.
highlights from this episode and contact details of our guest is available on our new website at www.leadersoflearning.asia. That is www.leadersoflearning.asia. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, or wherever you download your podcast. If you believe this podcast show will help a friend, a colleague, or a family member, please share this episode with them via social media or your podcast app. I'm your host, Lingling. Thank you for listening to the Leaders of Learning podcast. Thank you.